Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Nerd Herd Comic Book Club. Your number one stop for stellar reviews of volumes, arcs, or stories that us or yourselves choose. You can find us live every Wednesday on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, and the replay on all podcast networks. Take a seat, get yourselves and your opinions ready, as it's time to join the herd. But first, please put your hands together for your hosts, Shane, Phil, and Scott, as they kick off this week's discussion. Hello, and welcome to another bound to be great installment of the Nerd Herd Comic Book Club. This is the first pick of the next wave. It's not Halloween. It's the normal bog-standard wave of comic books. It's my pick this week. I have, of course, joined by the usual. We have Shane. Ahoy, hoy. And we have... That's not Scott. Scott, you shake your head. <laughs> no. Scott couldn't be with us this week. He, uh, If you see his Instagram post, he is uh, has a big birthday to celebrate this week. So happy belated birthday to Scott. He is out celebrating. So if we have... Took upon ourselves, and we have asked Martin from Sonics Comics to join us. Hey, everybody. Uh, Martin is, is one of those ones that he, once he found us, he has read every single book and been, been, been live with us every single week. So it's a natural stand in. But yeah, this week it's my pick. And I fully expect tens out of tens all, all around. So let's get this out of the way now. I'm joking. I'm just kidding. We are reading uh, Oblivion Song. It's chapter one, not volume one, and it's from 2018. Um, the writer is Robert Kirkman, he of The Walking Dead Invincible fame, art by Lorenzo de Felici, colours by Annalisa Leone, and letters by Ross Wooten. It's from Emmy's Comics, I say from 2018. So yeah, that's that's the book for this week. I'll just check who is in the chat, the early doors. We have James, uh, oh, we have James Copley, and yo, 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 in the house. How was that? And Highland G. Hey everyone, I'm taking a break from editing, editing videos to watch. Looking forward to hearing about this one. So am I. So am I. And Lewis Deacon is in Howdy Doody. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, you know, Oblivion Song, great book, great pick by me. It's actually one of the very first books that I've picked on my pull list. So I like Magic Order, like the Cosmic Ghost Rider. When I was building my pull list, this was one of it. I wanted to kind of at some stage put this onto the nerd herd to see what scott and shane and the guys in the chat think so um i actually picked it for scott i thought he would really like it the kind of sci-fi aspect of it and the, the the adventure of it but of course he's not here but he has read and he has given us a score and his thoughts so i believe in song what's it about 10 years ago there was this kind of catastrophic scientific thing called the transfer transference where uh these kind of monsters kind of bled into the real world and people were kind of sucked into some sort of other dimension, which they refer to as oblivion. Um, where we're at in the story now is we have Nathan Cole, who's the, the lead scientist, and he's there trying to uh, find the people who were lost in oblivion and bringing them home. But of course, he has his own personal interest in this because one of them is his brother. But he's kind of faced with the, the idea that maybe there are people who don't want to, to come back to the real world or what is the real world and then of course the government funding is starting to dry up because they're not finding any people any more people as they once were so we have the data the dynamic of that um 
how people are coping with coming back into the real world. And of course, the emotional pool where Nathan Cole is trying his best to get his brother back because he feels guilty for something. But what is it? Maybe we'll spoil it for you. We don't know. So, yeah, that is Oblivion Song. Um, I'm going to start with Martin this week, if that's okay. Just just because, you know, I want to hear your thoughts. Because here's Shane every week. It's, you know, this is, yeah. Not going to be more positive than Shane, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what were your uh, first initial thoughts on this book? See, this is one I've been looking forward to reading for a while as well, because I like the sci-fi sort of style in my books as well. Um, so I went into this with a little bit of a higher expectation. Um, overall, I did like the story. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, but unfortunately, I have got some nitpicks in certain areas. But yeah, so overall, I, I, I can mute you that, at that time. I'm never going to say them. I'll just hit mute and no one will listen to you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, Martin. Oh, yeah. So it, it, I, just, I found it a good story. I, I like the characters. Um, I don't feel, I didn't feel this volume really was enough to get to know some of these characters. Mm-hmm. I just felt as if this, if this felt more like a, a prelude yeah. to what the series See, is going to be about. That's why I think they were very careful in choosing the words chapter one. Like it's mm-hmm. not a volume one. It's like Shane, you mentioned before, start, middle, and an end. It doesn't have this. It's literally telling us, the reader, here's what happened, here's the big players. And just let the story plot along nicely and introduce you to them all. And then obviously um, they're going to be building towards the future uh, volumes. This is a 36 issue run and total. It ended just a few months back. Um, and it is going to be apparently going to be uh, adapted into a movie starring the uh, incredibly good looking Jake Gyllenhaal. That'll be good if it ever gets made. But yeah, Shane, what were your first thoughts? Um I think you summed it up when you said like this is like our bog standard wave and you started with a bog standard title so like that's a great way to introduce this book (laughs) I I'm not going to be super (laughs) negative I really enjoyed the premise I think it's a great premise um it's really good idea the world is great it's just um it's just the writing and the characters are very off-putting Oh, um, it's the politest way I can put that. <laughs> I actually thought the characters was one of the strongest points, to mm. be honest, in terms of how people cope with being back into the real world, you know, with their PTSD and how they have this kind of like, uh, like how would you put this, like a, like a soft uh, like feeling towards the Oblivion. And they, it's called the Oblivion song. So it's like, that's the sounds in oblivion whenever there was no monsters chasing them they could sit back and just like relax and listen to what was going on monsters in the background the birds whatever and like i think the second time around reading this i definitely focused a lot more on the the people and i thought it was a delight um but they did a really good like ptsd moment when he meets the girl outside in the cafe Mm-hmm. You know, and she's she's been back a couple years, and you know she's finally got a job where she can work on her own, and there's nothing like distracting her. And then the dogs bark, and she she's mm-hmm. right back there. You know that was that was done well, but I think other parts like Duncan, he's just he's angry and aggressive, and I get it. You know, it's P, it's another form of PTSD. But he's not endearing or likable now because as soon as you see him be that aggressive towards his wife and you find out his wife met someone while he was away, 
well, you know, now you want her to be with the other guy because Duncan is not a likable character and it's not, it's not his fault. But you didn't, the writer didn't endear him to you mm. as a reader. And now they expect you to feel sorry for him when he sees his wife and her mm. boyfriend, so to speak. It's just the characters are written a little bit weird, especially when you get to the characters in Oblivion. It's, I don't know, you just can't relate to them. And I know, obviously, you can't relate because you're not trapped in a demon world or a monster world. Maybe we but are. You, but you still... Well, well, exactly. I mean, if they're willing to stay there, overcoming back here, what does that say about this world? And that's where that's where the disconnect happens. You know, I know no one wants to pay taxes and no one wants to work five days, seven days a week. But I also don't want to be chased by monsters the size of buildings and fight for my life every single day. So I really can't understand the holdouts over there. Mm -hmm. You know, like it makes no sense from... Uh, an apocalyptic point of view mm. you know like everyone in the walking dead would go back to the world the way it is in a heartbeat if you if you offered them a doorway they'd step straight <clears> through it because they don't want to deal with zombies every day you know yes all right they don't have to pay taxes they don't have to go to work they don't have to worry about the hustle and bustle of life but they can also sleep through the night without worrying about being eaten alive and Plus, you just don't have that feel from the holdouts it's this yeah. whole weird thing where they're quite happy to be over there and realistically it if you were coming back from oblivion after 10 years i'd like to think you wouldn't be expected to go back to work you know <laughs> here, here here's your benefits just just relax you've had a hard 10, 10 years just just chill out you know yeah. um but interestingly you, you mentioned about like compared to comparing to the walking dead if they can go back the way things were for this i what i'm taking from it is that the people can't it's not that they, it's not so much that they want to stay where they are i just think the whole thing that happened has impacted everybody. Like I say, with Duncan, who was there, uh, and his wife, who obviously had to deal with losing him and then finding a new love, and then he obviously suddenly appears again. It's like it didn't just impact the people who, you know, who were taken to the other side, but the people who were left behind, and it's maybe not possible for them all to get back um, as, as things once were. Um, I think they tried telling that as well through the... I've got it written down. Is it the... The Crenshaws, the ones that were saved at the start yes. of the book, so yeah. they, I think they tried to tell that subtly through the story about people that have been brought back and struggling to sort of get back into how things were. So I do agree with you there. It, it they did try and tell that, but I don't think they emphasised it enough. Yeah, to sort they of did with the girl when he's talking to her at the cafe because he says to her mm. like, "Would you go back?" And she's like, "No." She's like, "My worst day here." is nothing compared to my best day over there. So, you know, so that's that sums it up. And to have people holding out to stay over there, it's, it was just, it's an odd choice from a creative point of view, I think. Yeah. Just want to check up some, some latecomers in the chat. We have Dominic from the Comic Book Report. Send late again. Hey, hey, everyone. That's okay, you're here. And Connie, hello, hello, hello. Don't know why you sound like a copper, but there we are. <laughs> and uh highland g it's all it's about leaving what you know people fear change even if it's good and that's the thing that it's like i can't i couldn't think of the, the condition like stockholm syndrome where like you're in oblivion the oblivion and this is the new norm like you you, you almost like you feel safe where you are because where you've kind of set up camp or set up home so you're safe here even though you're not and you'll be safer back home but like you don't know you're safe 
safer back home because again this thing could happen again maybe that's that's something that they're thinking about again the, the writer doesn't explain that but maybe they are thinking that these things can happen again or maybe they think the whole world's destroyed and this is the new world you know well yeah because they had no reference point they just saw you know nathan was coming and people were disappearing that's all they knew they had no idea what had happened but he went once he explains ed is still like well you know they don't want to go back and you could have explained that away had there been i don't know like a massive prison in the middle of the city that was taken mm-hmm. and then these are the prisoners you know they don't obviously don't want to go back because they, they know they'll have to go back to prison and it would explain why they've survived so long they're the dangerous you know the dangerous people that aren't you know really supposed to be in society so they could be not only survivors but a threat to nathan it was just it's weird to find this this colony of people that just don't want to go back i'm hoping this is explained more further on um because it'll it'll give me a little bit of justification for reading further on um but for a volume one that should have been tackled here that that should we should be knowing why they've done what they've done from the get-go why they why they don't want to go so it's Um, missed opportunity i agree like i say i think that's why they carefully worded it as chapter one you know um but from my recollection i mean i've only read up to issue 24 it's actually one of the reasons why i picked this because i want to go back and read the final two volumes of this but i wanted to kind of refresh my mind of how the story started um it, it definitely it's more entertaining and more dramatic um so definitely there's room for for uh, improvement so that purchase you made martin of that hardcover don't worry it, it's you won't regret that and i don't think you'll regret it anyway um if you if you enjoyed volume one to a certain point it does get better on um as the story goes um triple d comics is in the chats and evening chaps and uh, connie is saying this has been on my tbr for ages uh so i'm glad it was picked um and she agrees that i don't think we have had enough explained but i wonder if that's like i say in pur- on purpose like the, the they just want to like introduce the big players and then you'll get the full story as we go on because even like that guy keith and the faceless man there are other aspects to oblivion that have like you know they've only touched on very briefly and there's a lot more things to expand on um but we'll move on to the art what did you guys think of the art shane what were your thoughts on the art oh thumbs yeah. down that's you hated the art I hated the art. I didn't hate the um, the like the scenery and like the oblivion. The world oblivion was great. The monster designs great. You know the backgrounds all being destroyed and all the monster stuff. Fantastic. But when it got to the real world and the people, it was just not very good at all. Wow. I, lacking. Some, some of the faces were quite um, strange looking. Like the few, the f- few too many lines on their faces, I think, for some reason. The first page where you see Nathan and he's in the gear, you know, and he's looking like Mandalorian with his cape and his helmet on, and he, that looked great. And I'm like, oh, he looks cool. I'm going to enjoy this. And then he takes his helmet off, and you're like, Ugh. it's like this is like the main guy. <laughs> it's like, he's not pretty. <laughs> he's, he's no Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah, he's the very strange to say that. Not like and I often look at me, like men to say they're pretty, but you're right. He he could have been a bit um, a bit more Hollywood, 
I suppose. A bit more leading man, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he he wasn't really. Um, (laughs) And even towards... You you, you get bits of it where he is the leading man in terms of he is quite assertive. He's adamant what he wants to do, but like I say, likewise, yeah, a little bit... A little bit ugly. (laughs) See, a a note I've made, is going back to what you said about the lines... I felt like his face changed multiple times through this whole story, whole volume. Yeah. Like one minute, I felt like he looked old. Then he looked younger. Then he looked really youthful. Very, you know, not many lines. Very sort of bright faced. Mm-hmm. And then the next page, he's back to the lines again, looking older, middle aged. And you think, where's the do consistency? Think, do you think that that's like, you know, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying my best to kind of uh, back them up. Like they're thinking, well, you're going to be stressed if you're back and forth to oblivion. You're going to be tired. You're going to be stressed. We'll, we'll we'll give you stress stress lines, you know, worry lines on your forehead. I don't know. I'm just trying to make things up from my own my own <laughs> self. But I, I do agree. I mean, like Nathan, um, it, there were times he had far too many lines in his face. But you're right. There were times where he looked softer. Yeah. You know, and it is strange, and it's quite inconsistent. And it's one of those books too where. I know some people don't mind this, but I kind of do. Whenever they have people in the background, they don't focus on the detail. So there's a few blank faces. Yeah. And I know it's really hard if the, the, to do details on a face for something so far away. But I know Shane, you love that. You mentioned that before <laughs> a few years ago. You know, just just draw two dots and a and a, and a smile, and that, that's all you need to do. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, can't just have them turned away if you can't draw faces that small have them turned away so you just see the back of their head Connie has taken the criticism of Nathan a bit further than we thought (laughs) he looks kind of greasy (laughs) Nathan looked greasy (laughs) (laughs) Um, but she said she liked the art it suited the story I think that's fair too but I definitely think going by what we were saying here stuff in Oblivion looked great um yeah. A bit cartoony at times, but I think it's you know meant to be, of course. But yeah, I was a fan of it. Um, shall we go into some pages? Because Shane, you've already mentioned my page. So I will go Did into... I? Yeah. We will see what we have here. I'll do mine first, because it is quite early doors. And it is literally the first page that you mentioned there, Shane, where he is in oblivion, and he's holding the rifle. This is where he would have the darts... That he fires into the people that kind of saps them back home, but you're right, it's quite Mandalorian style for cloak and whatever else, and obviously the big rifle. And uh, yeah, but you see the, all the what, do you, what would you even call that? All the growth on the on the buildings and whatever else, and it's it's quite it's cool. Plus, and yeah, like it does look pussy, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it looks Greeksy. Maybe that's why he's Greeksy because he's he's, <laughs> he's going in oblivion, pop pop in these spots in the walls and getting covered in grease but yeah i just thought it was really cool like I say he's looking down the barrel of the gun and um he's got the sun shining behind him and i just thought it was really cool i mean just kind of start the the issue issue one early doors and um but now that you've mentioned the fact that when he actually reveals his face it's not yeah he's not uh it's not great I think, but it's a great way to start the book because he's just chasing this couple. You have no idea who he is. Is he the good guy? Is he the bad guy? Like, mm-hmm. we don't know what's happening, what's going on. You know, he shoots them. One of them disappears. Like, then he goes after the girl. It's it's a great way to start the book because yeah. you've got this instantly. You're like, oh my god, what's happening? What's going on? Um, it 
it was great. I was I was down for it. It's just all the stuff in the real world that just like lost my interest. If it had been if it had been set in Oblivion and he was just popping in and out, that would have been like for me just spot on. We just see him jumping back. People are disappearing. Like if it was from the holdouts' point of view, I think that would have been a great way to tell this story. So yeah. we don't know what's happened to the world. We don't know that this is another dimension until the end of the book when he shows up and meets his brother. I think mean, that could have been, um, for me personally, a more fun way to tell the story and keep us in oblivion with all this great art. Well, that that is your stick now. So that's, you, know, you like to rewrite the comics you read every week. So yeah. <laughs> Can I say one more thing? Yes. In that picture, don't you think his face, he looks like Dave? Dave. You know the Dave comics? Yeah, but it's just, just a black face of a hood. Yeah, but he's got the round, like the way the scope is, it oh, looks yeah, like Dave's eye. Yeah, it's yeah, placement, good. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, that's cool. But yeah, I just, I mean, I, I, I like the art myself throughout. Like, say, the, the real life stuff was fine. It was more the faces was the problem I had. Um, but the art throughout, I was, I'm a fan. I am a fan. Um, we have some duplicate pages. Um, we will go to, actually, we will go with Scott next. He's in his page. This is his. I'm not quite sure what what issue this is from, but I think it's uh, it's at the point where they're bringing um, Nathan to to Ed, um, to, to his brother, and they're also trying to hide from this monster. He's wrote, "I absolutely loved this the detail on this creature." Turning the page and seeing this made me go, "Ooh, that's cool." That's me trying to do my Scott impression. That was such a good Scott impression. <laughs> Sound effects were spot on with how I imagined uh, it would walk as well. So yeah, that's Scott's image. And to be fair, there were some creatures were a bit lacking in detail at times. I I, I find um, I did as well. I found that on a few. Like when there was these, a lot going on. Yeah, because there was this one, and if I remember correctly, they looked like sloths, but like like they're chimpanzees, and they're kind of like climbing along the vines or something, and they yes. just looked. It was hard to know what I was looking at because there's so many of them, but they kind of lacked a bit of detail. That was the only image I can think of that didn't really wow me at all. Um, Martin and Connie uh, both picked the same page. You have Connie's reasons, Shane? I do, yes. Here we go. Start with Connie's. We'll start with Martin because Martin's here. Sorry, Connie. Yeah. Martin's here. There's, there's two reasons why I like this page. And I, I this is. I separate it from the top, from the bottom. So from the top, I love the color use. I love the purples against mm -hmm. the fire and the fact that regardless where they are, it's sort of, uh, it's just calm. They're eating, they're chilling, you know, we just fought off some monsters. I enjoyed that. But then I'm going to do a little shout out to Kev's draw along. Mm -hmm. On the bottom, I like the way the use of the fire as well as, well as the shadows, the way that it's drawn. Yeah. Uh, I really like that. It was just, it just jumped out to me. I actually picked this page myself initially. Um, again, I, I find the art does a good job telling the story. And we're at this point in the story where they're, like, say, they're happy to be in oblivion. And like you see, this camaraderie just killed this big monster and they're eating it on like on the spit and they're all happy. Like, such a weird concept for, for Nathan to think that, how can you be happy in this world? But here we are. We're all around a table eating this 
what I would assume would taste like a slug. I don't, I don't even know what kind of monster it was. What, what it was a bird, a flying thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was but, a flying creature. I still don't think it tastes like chicken, though. You know, well, he's got, a, just... he's got a leg in his hand down there, yeah. so... Yeah. It's as close as you're going to get to a normal yeah. day, isn't it? It's like it's, it was a scene exactly. from a normal day in our world, but yep. in oblivion. 100%, and that's why, why it's stood for me, the fact that this is their life. This is a good day in oblivion, and I think they've done a good job of showing us Showing us that, right? Um, Connie, should I tell you why Connie picked yep. it? Connie says, um, "I actually enjoyed the art in this book a lot. I think it suited the story really well, and the coloring was excellent, especially on this page with the colors on the sky and the campfires, etc." Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you can't fault the colors in this book. Yeah, nice. Um. Shane had picked the same page as Liam this week. Yes. I mean, I picked this page because I just... It's the first time in the book, um, in Oblivion, when you actually saw something outside of the city that was alive, as opposed to just, like, you know, the dead area around it. And I thought, I thought it looked really cool. Like, they've built this... I don't even know if that's, a, like, is that a giant tree or something they're hiding in? But they've like built it. this city inside it. And it just looks really cool. It just, it's, but it still looks like puscule and boils, like esque mm. with the green bubble things. But it also, it's kind of pretty and ugly at the same time. I, I get you, and you're right that it's, it's the kind of, I don't know if they're capsules, and like you expect something like the Matrix or something, like the people to pop out of these capsules yeah. covered <laughs> in like slime and goo or something like that. And um, yeah. So you would be surprised Phoenix. if they were the monster's eggs or something just stuck yeah, everywhere. Possibly. Yeah, just just like Megalian, I suppose. Yeah. Um, just another thing I actually noticed that just going by this page, you see the like they have a ceiling, you know, like the vines are growing above their head, like like a dome almost. Yeah. And I can mm. remember with the transference, like in issue two when he was taking the Crenshaws to the museum, you see a car cut perfectly in half. That's obviously where yeah. the border of this, like this dome thing, whatever happened, just took half the car to the, to the other side, and maybe that's why they have all that kind of stuff hanging from the the ceiling or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, it's really cool, really, really good details. I like. You can yeah. see why they use that as a two page spread because Oblivion as itself is stunning. I love the use of the purples, the yellows, the greens uh, that they used in majority of Oblivion. It, it really stood out for me. Across the whole book, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, did Liam give any reasons for his uh, love of this picture? He did. He said, "Although I wasn't a fan of the art overall, I did really enjoy the alien landscapes." Nice, nice. And uh, we have a new name appeared. I've never seen this name before. So, hello, um, Alb, Serie Eleven. Said, "Read this book, this whole run last week. It was a great read, start to finish. Welcome." Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Stay tuned just, to the end and leave your score for chapter yeah. one. And then we just have Connie and James having a chat amongst themselves. Um, just ignoring what we have to say on the screen. So. Tut, tut, tut. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, do we, do we have anything else to add for the art? Anything you want to kind of touch on before we delve into the, the overall detail of the story? I think we've, I think we've said it. Like For me, the artist shone when he was allowed to be as creative as he wanted. You know, when he was restricted by the real world, for me, I, I, it's a bit, bit, bit of a miss for me. But free reign, 
he, he knocked it out of the park. I completely agree. Yeah. I found the real world bland, especially when you're putting it up against, say, like, as I said before, that amazing color use they've used on Oblivion. When you go back to the real world, it sort of uh, sort of disjoints you from that immersive thing you're getting from Oblivion. It makes you want to get back in there to appreciate that again. Mm -hmm. And it just, yeah. Nice. Yep. All right. Um, <clears throat> uh, Connie has seen the having the dig at Philadelphia. I mean, I think he probably <laughs> probably made Philadelphia as exciting as he could. Um, yeah, I agree. Never ever been to Philadelphia. So yeah, we'll 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 delve into more detail um, about the overall story and you know, Shane, you mentioned the the characters and so on. For for me, again, the second time reading this. I was more intrigued by like Duncan and Bridget and Benjamin. Um, again, with Ed, with Ed and, and Nathan, it was more like anticipation. If you think Ed's going to maybe you know blow Nathan's head off at some stage, and next thing there's hugging and whatever else, and I, I just liked the the way the characters were together, even to the point where I forget her name. It was Ed's partner. Who looks like she? Yeah, you have one of the best lines I think in the book. Whenever. Um, Ed called her her bodyguard, and she says, "Well, I guard, I guard more than just your body, or I do more of your body than guard it, or something." Yeah, it's like it's funny, it's good. Um, she was cool, obviously, like the shaved head and stuff. She she like she was badass. I liked her. Um, but you're right that I said, did you say it was Olive, the girl with the PTSD, who he reached out to at the cafe? Yeah. I found like this book for for me again, having read on and read the story and know the kind of science behind it. I focus more this time around on the people um, rather than the science behind it. But I also think it done a really good job at keeping the science simple. Like they didn't have to explain it too too much. You know, they called this thing the transference, and that's it. Of some sort of bomb, people went in that world. Some monsters came back. We killed them. We lost all these people. That's it. They don't need to know too much about it. Um, yeah. I'm glad they didn't complicate things by giving us all these like jargon of like science words i mean we're just dumb no, comic readers you know yeah they just told you the vibrational frequencies of the universe is lined up for a second and that was it everything changed from that day on um but they kept uh, they had their rules and they kept them which i really liked you know wherever he appeared that's where he came back mm -hmm. yeah. so whenever he pressed his belt or injected him he was there in the real world so like the the distance always had to be the same which was nice i like that even when he's coming back with ed yep. they're climbing down because they don't want to fall to their death when they come back to the real world little things like that i appreciate they created the rules for the world and they stuck to them throughout the whole book that's really good um i do have some major nitpicks i mean it's been what 10 years and these people still have bullets i don't know if i believe that you know like Four years into the zombie apocalypse and everyone pretty much ran out of bullets like guns were useless they went back to bows and arrows and stuff but they still have bullets in this universe and everything seemed a little bit too convenient like it, it feels like you're looking for that though oh 10 years they don't have any bullets like surely they have they still have bullets like surely like no but, you've, every day. No, but yeah. you've said one city one mm -hmm. just one Ocean. u.s city mm -hmm. was transported to oblivion 
So they only have that one city to go around and we'll hope like hopefully it's a state that's an open carry so that, you know, every apartment had bullets. But even if they did, you would run out after a while having to constantly defend yourself against monsters, surely. Maybe How many of them? Sorry. How many of them actually had guns, though? Because I can, I can only remember the, the crazy man that killed Keith. his family. Keith. That made me chuckle when she called him Keith. I thought she was joking. You don't call someone Keith in a comic book in 2020. <laughs> What's wrong with the name Keith? What's wrong with the name Keith? Keith? <laughs> I have family called Keith. It's a good name. I like it. Sorry for anyone here that's called Keith. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, no, real life people <laughs> named Keith is fine. Just don't put the name in my comic books. <laughs> Such a strange thing to be like to pick up. Like. It's just a it's just a weird it's just a funny name. It's not a weird name, it's just a funny name to call a character in a comic book, Keith. <laughs> yeah. But you know, e even like you're right, Keith had a gun. Um it was a shotgun, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah. So again with that, you know, how many bullets can you can fit two in one in the shotgun? So maybe he has a a short supply and he's just rational rationalizing rational because yeah. they bullets. were using bows they were using bows they were yeah. using like um what they're called right. now Compound whenever they bows. whenever those big bird monsters attacked ones they're eating yeah they, they use bows and stuff didn't they they were telling me i think they're the way and so yeah yeah, yeah. okay but they did oh, have right. bullets too and you're right you're right like the idea they, get, they had bullets plus the girl i'm terrible with her name um ed's partner she had a gun I believe, didn't she? Maria, yeah. Maria, I think she had a gun. But again, she didn't use it. She threw me threatened to use it. Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, okay. It's just, it's, it was just a nitpick. It's not nothing major. It didn't like stop my enjoyment of the book. I was just like, oh, have they still got bullets? It's been 10 years. You are right, though. Logically, you know, they wouldn't. It's, yeah, it's just because like I've I watch a lot of apocalyptic stuff and read a lot of apocalyptic and like end of the world stuff and that stuff tends to run out pretty quickly especially mm. when you have monsters and zombies coming after you on the reg you know yeah all right so let's hear your next martin you said you had some as well didn't you some mine was things. mine was mainly around the art that's where mine the story wise i enjoyed um there was like the odd reference to certain things that did make me chuckle I, I I liked <laughs> I laughed every time he sort of came in and out of um oblivion. It just reminded me of Terminator with the just yeah, it just made me think of Terminator when he's going in and out. Um but no, mine was mainly the art, that's where most of my issues lied. All right, Shane, let's let's hear next one. Get that last out. Well, like I say, they're they're just nitpicks. Like uh, for me this was very, very, very convenient. Like things just happened. Like the couple that he's chasing at the beginning just happened to work for Ed and just happened to have been looking for him and just happened to know that there's um, an Ed inside who's leading a group. And then he goes back in and he just happens to get captured by Maria who just happens to ask him if he is Nathan, Ed's brother. It felt like a lot of coincidences to build up. And the fact that his brother, this perpetual screw up from the real world who just owes everyone money and you know no one really tends to care about is now the leader of a group and is in charge of keeping people alive like, well i kind of want to see that i want to see the screw up 
become the leader. Mm. You know, that there's a there's a character arc that I would like to read. Um, because you can't just tell me he's the leader of a group after telling me for three issues he's a screw up and you know stop looking for him he's not worth it i i agree with you there like the fact that ed was this leader you know but everything you knew before before that point like it didn't paint the picture of this guy who could lead a group of people to survival in the in the oblivion however the idea like the crenshaws just happened to be there it was obviously all a plan from ed you know he was he sent the, the, the crenshaws to find the hooded man essentially and it, it failed because they were sent back to earth and but you're right that like the idea that ed has this plan like he's in control but then maybe looking at from the other side of the coin where he's this is oblivion this is his his time to shine his time to step up he's been a screw up his whole life in earth now it's the chance clean slate i'll show you what i made off because in the day his brother is a scientist who um started this whole big thing so there's obviously something there too for ed to you know yeah, but would, wouldn't it have been more believable if Maria was in charge of the group and Ed was like her number one? You know, like that he needed someone to tell him what to do, to have the ideas, to be in charge, so that he could do a job and get that job done. With like, did he have to be in charge? Did he have to be the one? You know, you've got the leader of the holdouts, and then you have the one person still looking for people in oblivion they just happen to be the brothers it's just a little bit too i know it happens so the story can happen but it kind of needs to be a bit more believable mm. as well for me you personally right. it would have made more sense if, if maria was running it because then you could have had another dynamic where he the brothers meet and then ed scott then convinced maria that he's worth mm. trusting as opposed yep. to because that trust element was just instant i asked my brother i trust him you yeah, trust him. It's like, oh, okay. But he's been taking our people to God knows where. Mm. Like he says he's taken them back, but how do we know he's taken them back? You know? I, I did think it was inevitable that you know we were going to have um, them meet early on because when we saw him at the end of the first issue where he's sort of staring down watching the hooded man, they've been hunting him. Mm -hmm. So that was going to happen no matter what. So that part of it, didn't really bother me too much that it ended up being the brothers, but I, I, I do agree that the actual leadership that should have been the other way around with Maria. It would have yeah. been a nice little twist. To, the to story. be fair, you've convinced me there, like you said, if Maria was the leader, but she was still with Ed, like Ed was, you know, maybe the partner, but behind the scenes where it wasn't really people that know about type of thing, and the brother shows up. She said, well, I don't trust your brother. You may trust your brother because he's your brother, but I don't. So convince me otherwise. Hmm. And obviously he offers in to go back over the earth and bring some proof back that it's, things are better or whatever. Um, yeah. Which I thought was really interesting too, because at this point, the the, the general, um, I forget his name, he had lost patience with, with Nathan and his experiments because they found this, which they assume is a bomb in a storage locker. So once they come back straight to earth, they... They take Nathan in and just leave Ed <laughs> on the street with no money, no clue where things are. It's been ten. Well, years. they probably did. They, yeah, they didn't know who he was. Yeah. They weren't there for him. They were there for Nathan. But, but I'm calling Nathan it now. Nathan? Yeah, I'm calling it now. That device is just to bring the city back, isn't it? It's not a bomb. That device is for Nathan to set off to just reverse what he did and bring the city back. But that's the impression I get from from this volume because, like I say, you, you see towards the end of this, like we see the whole way through. He has his guilt. 
for his brother, like his brother's in there for something he's done. Something's happened. He's guilty for his brother. But turns out he's not. He's guilty because it was his fault. He's the cause of this. His experiments had led to this oblivion. Um, and he's trying to reverse it. But again, the government funding only came to bring people back, not to do this again because they're they're fearful of it happening again. Um, but see, that's another that's a twist I didn't like. But um they, they built to it pretty well with him feeling guilty, you know, not only for the people that were lost over there and for his brother, but also for the animals being killed, like these monsters being killed. He didn't want them to be killed. Like he's like, they're yeah. wild animals. They're just, do, you know, they're just doing what they do. They're not, it's not their fault. And he didn't want, like he didn't want Keith to kill that big monster. He wanted just to leave and get away from it. And that built really nicely to the twist. But again, that was a really convenient twist. It's like, oh, he just happens to be the one that caused this. It's, like, you know, you don't have to make these end of the world things where your main character is the be all and end all and cause of everything. Mm -hmm. They are allowed to just be a character in your end of the world book. You know, Rick Grimes dies in The Walking Dead. Sorry, spoiler. Um, <laughs> you know, because he's he might be the main character, but he's just the character in the book at the end of the day. So, you you know, Rick didn't cause the zombie apocalypse. We weren't following him because of that. He was just a character we happened to be following. But in this, we're following Nathan because he did it and he's the only one that can fix it and he needs to find his brother. It just felt too, I don't know, just too focused on one person. I'm, yeah, I'm hoping that's going to change though, because I do find I don't know if anybody else finds this, but with, with image titles, I do find when they put deluxe editions out, the deluxe edition is the premium way to read these books. So I'm assuming with volume one, you know, it's got two trades in it. I'm hoping by the end of the second trade that we're going to be getting a more rounded story as opposed to how it ended in this one. So I'm going to give the other one a read and see if it changes my opinion. You just see the gold. Go in deep and just buy the remaining two deluxes, Martin. Just just buy them and I will. Them. I no doubt will. <laughs> but see, I've been really forgiving on the ending of this because it does say chapter one and not volume one. So do you know it's I haven't been nitpicking about the way it ended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um Highland G has offered um some thoughts on the bullets. He said bullets would become like currency, traded for killed beasts. Um, we have another new name, Cali Comics. How's it going? So they don't want to come back. And that, that's the dynamic that, that Nathan is facing this since because he's losing his funding for this project because he can't find other people who just don't want to be found. Yeah. Overall, I, I like the idea of it. Um, the House of Nerd Show, I say, is here. Hey, hey, hey. Um, wonder if you'll change your name to the, the, the Christmas House. I can speak. The Christmassy House of Nerd Show. For next month, <laughs> where the haunted house went, who knows? Um, it's, it's difficult because I obviously have read up to issue 24. I know at the end of um, there's a lot of twists that happen, you know. Um, they're on the books, so I don't want to give anything away because it does sound like you may want to read on, Martin, especially if you enjoyed that first volume. And yeah. I wouldn't want to deny you the. The impact that they had on me as well. Um, the other thing about this this volume, as we mentioned, it's like an introduction volume. The fact that they introduced the faceless men, and you don't know anything else about yeah. them apart from the fact that they have done something to Keith, your friend Keith, mm. his family. And of course, he's been the one that's been accused of killing his family because he's he kind of like ousted, wasn't he, from the main group? So 
it's kind of like laying down uh, a bit of information on them, obviously to be utilised later on. Because, I mean, there was a point in the light uh, in the story, and I can't remember what it was, but they were talking about the energy that was used to create this. They didn't have enough in this side of the world, so there happened there had to be something from the other side to kind of match the energy to create like this. pulling them through. He yeah. said, didn't they? I think that's what yeah. he said. Pulling them through, high blood, bumping the energy levels up because they couldn't. I think he was saying that in the final few pages, wasn't he? That was yeah. that was Nathan's sort of plea yeah. at the end of the volume. Uh, when he was when he was being interviewed. Yeah, mm. and that's the thing. Like it's it's. I just think. I mean, Robert Kirkman's he's notorious, isn't he, for, for maybe going a bit too far in his stories. Like he wanted The Walking Dead to be zombies versus aliens, didn't he? And now he's just like, you know, he's firing in aliens into this, or well, faceless men into this oblivion. And like, it's like you have this story and you're thinking about, about just the people who are lost in this, but now it's, there's more than that. There's more to it. And um, it's just like laying down the plots for that. And I really enjoy it. Their design was great. Like yeah. the little hands coming out, mm-hmm. holding the reins. Like, oh, they're they're freaky. They are freaky looking but, at the characters. But they didn't look advanced. I mean, they look like the bipedal species from that world or from Oblivion. But they didn't look like super advanced, did they? They weren't. No. They had like spears. They didn't have like. No. They didn't seem like they would have anything that would cause the energy needed to create this massive warp bubble. Yeah, but then maybe. I used to think that too, but then like the whole oblivion thing, the fact that it's just like this growth from the buildings, whatever else, like like that's the energy, I suppose, really. Not not like they have a device or something that's going to bring it back, but maybe they they are the kinetic or whatever energy. That's what that's what's used to to kind of top up what whatever Nathan needed. And um, yeah, uh, Kelly Comics is saying uh, I need to read this again. So many thoughts racing back through my head. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can say three six eight. Yeah, of course they're good thoughts. I only pick good books. You know. And Tony is saying just a bit of advice from Martin. I always find with Kirkman's books, um, I get a little meh about the first volume and end up really enjoying it. So I'm assuming this is that. I enjoyed it. I just didn't love it. I think, like I say, this this is an introduction, and if you enjoy it, I advise to read on. And you should enjoy. It. But I say, I'm saying that without having read the end of the overall story, and as we've read with, with books in the past, the end, how you end a saga is is crucial because you could really bottles it up, really. So, uh-huh. Yeah, it just ru- can ruin your entire enjoyment of a story. No matter how many issues you've read and loved, that last issue can just wipe all that away if you're not careful. <laughs> if you don't know how to finish a book, don't finish it. Just leave it with it to be continued and just Jim Lee it and never come back to it. You know, like... Shane's <laughs> <laughs> just... Uh... Uh, throwing some shade towards Jamie. <laughs> I just want him to finish a book. <laughs> Doesn't make books anymore, does he, Jim Lee? I just, I just want the rest of um, All Star Batman and Robin. Um, All Star Batman and Robin: The Boy Wonder. I just want the rest oh. of it. Like he just never finished it. Just come back and finish it. I know it's been like what fifteen years, but just come back and finish it. Nah, he won't. He won't. Nah. He's too busy with the app, DC Universe app. Um, <laughs> so. We're, Approaching, I suppose, the end of the show, but I want to, you know, give you guys a chance to any any further points you have made, anything you've written down, do you want to discuss before, you know? Um, I would say when you said this is being made into a uh, a movie, mm-hmm. I, I just felt like this was more TV show. Yeah. I felt like this was suit a TV show because this this did feel like a pilot episode. This first volume, 
you know, especially rounded it off the way it is, it would it would be enough to sort of say, look, this is what I'm going to be selling as a series. Are you going to are you going to green light me a season one? You know, yeah. and that that's that's just how I felt from it. And I would agree. To be fair, that this is something you'd imagine, like on the HBO Max or whatever. And yeah. the fact that there's quite a lot of things at play, like I say, the, the the you know people's kind of PTSD and how they deal with things, and obviously Nathan his thing was brother, and then obviously the monsters and the living itself and the whole science behind it. It's hard to include all that in the movie and give every everyone and everyone everything that the time of day. I mean, you could maybe do like a trilogy of movies. Who knows? I don't think it's going to be a big blockbuster, to be honest. No. Um, I'm, I'm not too familiar with any other details other than the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal is on board. But um, I would say a TV series would um, yeah, be the benefit of the story. What you yeah. say? 36 issues? That's too yeah. many for a single movie. Yeah, you are never going to do it justice. You just got to think. What would be your main plot? Exactly. What's your main plot? Is it it going to be the whole transference? Is it going to be the faceless or the the maskless? Yeah, whatever they're called. Like, what's your main and antagonist type of thing? Um, Is it going to be a scientific movie? Is it going to be dramatic? I suppose there's too much things you can they can pick from just for one movie. Movie. Mm. Yeah, you'd have to take out too much already just from this one chapter. Yeah. They'd have to keep the sci-fi in just to uh, acknowledge the budget, because if you didn't go in as a sci-fi, they wouldn't give you a budget that high. Mm-hmm. So you, to get that budget in, then they'd have to go through the the brother sort of relationship. That would be a a staple part of the the movie. But they could just retcon the whole thing, just have like Nathan and Ed fighting a war between each other through the through the, the dimensions. Who knows? Could go a completely different route. Or it could literally just be Nathan going into oblivion by himself to save people. But then that's completely sounds... remove the holdouts and but that sounds a little bit boring as well. But you yeah. don't have time to tell us. <laughs> you wouldn't have yeah. time to tell. We've already even got a two-hour film. Yeah. You'd but maybe get the first two chapters in there. Because I would say if this was a TV series, there'd be a lot of those kind of like those like Walking Dead style filler episodes. Where they're quite boring, there's kind of a lot of detail. Episodes. Yeah, exactly. I think you would have a lot of the, the, those with this series. So just give us an action movie then instead. But like, you, I think you need those at times to kind of get you through the overall story. Yeah, yeah because I think that's a problem with Kurtzman's writing. Um, he doesn't have any of those character moments. Like I've read the first hundred issues of The Walking Dead. I had to stop at hundred, but um, like things just happen. Like literally, it's just happen, 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 happen. Like there's no slow build to anything. There's no, no like the drama is just completely removed from the comic book. And I know people complain that the TV show is boring and it drags and and it does in places. But the first five seasons of that are just character growth and building and building. And then you've got the slow moments that build to the big climactic showdowns, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the comics, you just get through things. But mm-hmm. I think by, by by issue 12, they've already dealt with the governor and they've already moved on from the prison and they're already... It's like, this was the first three seasons of the show and you've got through them in the first like two trades. It's like, mm-hmm. slow down a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just give me a chance to deal with... Like, I, I don't, You don't get the breath in his writing to deal with mm-hmm. anything. So when a character dies, something else just happens. Whereas you need a few pages t- for you yourself to deal with that. And like this, things just happen. You know, mm-hmm. he's in oblivion and he's dealing with something. And then 
at the end of that scene um it's just another scene now he's back in the real world and now they're looking for him you know his general's looking for him but now he's back in oblivion again it's like well, but we were two scenes ago in oblivion and then he was meant to come back and like it's just a bunch of scenes strapped together and i don't know if it's uh issuing thing like if he doesn't mm -hmm. get enough pages but he doesn't slow down anywhere and i'm not i'm not saying the pacing is bad i'm not mm -hmm. saying that because it it moves along really quickly but there's too many pages of just no dialogue yeah yeah like yeah you could even just give us what he's thinking to just give us a bit of character growth in those moments it's literally just action 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 sound effect action for like e three e pages even with like you mean i did find it actually quite jumpy at times like you'd be in the middle of an action scene something would happen and all of a sudden we're in a restaurant with bridget and benjamin her her lover like one page of that and then back to some sort of action scene like they didn't yeah. have time they kind of you know, branched that out to two or three pages it's like one page of them in a restaurant you know you know hit, hit him wanting her back and her feeling guilty blah 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 and that was it so you're yeah. building things How up for the characters but just, yeah it's quite quickly isn't it you're right i agree yeah it I feel sense. like he's so gone, mate. Oh, no, it made sense when you got further on, mm -hmm. but I do feel it just totally threw me when I read that page. Mm -hmm. I was just like, well, Who's you? who are you? Who are you? And then I got to the next page, oh wow, okay, that's that's her. That's uh, I can't remember her name now, Bridget. Bridget, yeah, Bridget. yeah I was like, Okay, that's Bridget. And I thought, Well, who's Benjamin? And then as you start getting a little bit further and you understand, but it just come out of nowhere, you are right, mm -hmm. it's just. Even for yeah. friends, when this shows up to the apartment, it's like straight away, it's like, oh, I, sh I should be doing this. And then it does it anyway. Yeah, I mean, but see, what you do with that is throughout the book, you just see her looking at texts on her phone. You just see her, yeah. her phone rings. Mm -hmm. She picks it up, she looks, and she just puts it face it down. It, yeah. She gets it. She gets a text, she puts it down. You just trickle that through. You don't just throw it in and then mm -hmm. not give us any time with it. I think you need a little bit of trust in your, in your reader. Just trust that you're, you have a mature audience who's okay with, you know, a few of your pages just set aside for a little character growth for the side characters. I agree. But when you and when you give me one page, I, I don't care about Bridget at this point. I don't care about her until her husband gets super aggressive with her. You know, that's when mm. I'm all of a sudden like, okay, now go back to Benjamin. Yeah, because she's at the I point thought, she wants to give up, doesn't she? Yeah, I thought she was doing the right thing. She's like, you know, my husband's back. I'm going to stay with my husband now because I thought he was dead. He's not dead. Obviously, I want to be with my husband. You're like, that's fair enough. That makes perfect sense. Benjamin should understand. But then Duncan is like super aggressive and even handsy at some points, like putting his hands on her. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I, I get that he's got PTSD and I, I, I truly think that's horrible and you shouldn't have to go through that. No one should have to. But she shouldn't have to put up with Mm -hmm. having hands put on her that's not fair on her just because it's her husband so by that point then you care about her but i don't know benjamin you didn't give us any time with him just so mr kirkman if you're watching um head us up on the nerd her comedy club on on instagram we can proofread your next project and just we will slow down how... a bit <laughs> just slow down a bit kurtzman you kurtzman you just need to slow down a bit just you a missed bit. an opportunity to add some mystery to bridget you mm -hmm. know Doing it with you are right. Doing it with the text messages would have added a little bit of mystery on the back of their relationship, seeing the PTSD in the forefront, seeing the, the all and the then you see him getting it. aggressive, and you're like, why is he getting aggressive? Is it because she's always getting mm -hmm. phone calls from someone? She's, you know, is this a a thing that's going on with them? And like, then bring him in. Cheated. Bring Benjamin in. 
Do you know who else? I, did, I didn't really care for it in all fairness talking about it now. Um, Nathan's partner. Like, she was just there because she works with the general. Like, for a way yeah. to him to give Nathan a, a favor to yeah. do this project. But her as a character, I don't think I cared too much for her in terms of her. She was too flip floppy. Like, one yeah. time she supports him, then she doesn't support him, then she supports him again, then she doesn't. It's like you have to pick a side. You have to mm -hmm. either support him because you know what he's going through and you know what his plan is. Or you have to not support him because you think it's been long enough, let it go. But she just kept on flip-flopping. Yeah. Like one minute she was on his side, the next minute she wasn't. And yeah, well, you can't... Thing. Even if she's under pressure from the general, like show us more of that where she's kind of conflicted. Like this is obviously her partner, Nathan's her partner. She wants to do a trade for him and, and her, his brother. But this is also my job. You get that, but again, not, not as much. And you don't really care for her, her you know, being stuck in the middle between the two of them, really. No. She was irrelevant, really. Yeah, I mean, no. wouldn't it would have made more sense had she told her gen her boss that he had a storage unit, even yeah. if she let it slip while they were having a conversation, just just something like that. So that's why they knew that he had a storage unit. I mean, how did they figure that out? Did they did they mention it? They had a private detective following mm. um, uh, Nathan, didn't they? Yeah. Why? <laughs> like... Yeah, you're right. Why? What? Yeah. You're right, actually. Why did they? Yeah. If you took out the scene where they had a little argument in the apartment and you took out the little cuddle they had and at the start, you would have thought that was just the secretary to the general. Mm -hmm. That's the Absolutely. only dynamic moment she had with, with Nathan that actually contributed in any way. But by the time you got past that first issue, that was her done. She was just irrelevant. I'll just touch on a comment here from Highland G um, before we go into our, our verdicts. Kirkman wanted to take things a lot slower with the start of Invincible, but Emmy's convinced him to jump uh, to the action about 30 issues early. I don't think he's learned to slow down again since. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a bit of a jump, 30 issues early. <laughs> I'm just talking about a few pages here and there, Highland G. <laughs> I don't want 30, 30 issues of character growth before we get to a movie. Nice. Um, so the folks who are watching us live on YouTube, uh, this is your time now to get your uh, well, your final thoughts and scores in. If you read along this week, fire your score in. We will count that, collate it with, with um, ours to see where this book falls on the leaderboard. And, you know, at the minute I'm quite confused what my score should be. I think I actually want to score it lower, maybe, than I initially thought um, just through this discussion. But we'll get into that. Um, we will head to our, our verdicts. So, Martin... We will start with you, if you want to give your final thoughts and scores. Right. My score is going to go down a little bit from what I originally put on my uh, on my book. But the art was hit and miss for me. I found the bits in Oblivion were amazing. I really enjoyed those. But as we discussed, I found the real world very meh, very dull, um, which, say, just took me out of it from, from an art perspective. But we did get enough of oblivion in this volume that made me appreciate that side of it. The story I enjoyed. I like the premise. I like the setting. I thought um, I love the sci-fi sort of uh, story. So that had me the whole way through. I didn't stop. I read this in one sitting. Um, so I must have enjoyed it enough to go and buy the hardcover. Um, just trying to think what else. If I've got anything else to say about it. It was, it was an okay book for a start. It definitely felt like a prelude. So mm -hmm. for me, as I said, I'm going down on my score. I'm going to give it a 6.5. 6.5 from Martin. Shane? 
Um, I know I've sounded like super negative on this book, um, like I was nitpicky and stuff, but I actually really did enjoy reading it for the most part. I, the, like Martin said, the premise is great. Mm-hmm. The the whole idea of the book, the world building, the monster designs, like I really, really enjoyed all of that. It's just the normal world stuff with the characters there. I just, I didn't care about them, but that's because I wasn't given enough time with any of them to to care, um, unfortunately. So all the stuff in Oblivion, I absolutely loved. Uh, that part of the book, that's where I wanted to be for the majority of it. Every time they jump back to the real world, I just couldn't wait for Nathan to come back to Oblivion. So if the next volume is more in Oblivion than in the real world, which I doubt it will be because now he and Ed are in the real world, but we'll see. Um, I'd enjoy it a lot more. Um, I wasn't a fan of the art overall in the real world, but again, like Martin said, in Oblivion, it's gorgeous. Mm. Free reign for the artist. That's where he shines. It is fantastic. Um, I'm going to score this a little bit higher than I initially have written down because after talking to you lot, I just I enjoyed the book a bit more. So I'm going to give this a seven. Mm, nice. Nice. Yeah, we've got a few chat or a few scores in the chat. Um, this is your last chance where I give mine um, before we take yours and give a full overall score. Um, I can't say much different than it's already been said. I agree um, with the art; it was definitely better to look at whenever they were in or whenever Nathan was in oblivion. Um, the real world stuff didn't bother me, but I did think the faces were quite ugly—not greasy; they were ugly. Um, at times, and there are times they were fine, like a bit softer than normal, but there, there was just one too many lines. I did like the idea that you know, you've got people going through stuff like Duncan and Bridget and Benjamin, and obviously Nathan and his brother, and then Maria and her son, and this kind of conflict we'd have to go over back to the real world, whatever. Like this idea that you've been in oblivion for so long, it's so dangerous, but yet you feel safe, and you, you don't want to leave that. Like, I like all that, but I think. Shane talking about what, what you said there, like they didn't give us enough time with the characters, and it it was a quick read, very very fast, very breezy. I I found, but maybe give us an extra page or two with some of the characters just to kind of beef out their kind of conflict and their kind of issues they have. To, like you say, make us care more about them. Um, I, I love the premise. Love I love the kind of the fact that the science is simple. Um, like you say, the, the vibrations. Uh, recalibrate the vibrations to bring you back to the real world and so forth. It's just, it's simple and it's doable and it looks cool when it happens. Um, I like the fact that Nathan, like, when he's in oblivion, he has the cloak around him and you don't see him in some panels when the monster's walking by. Next thing you see who comes down, he starts to walk away. Like, it's really good way he hides. And also the idea that they have this big monument for people lost and he's carving out the names because he didn't, he doesn't believe in this stone because, like, the government had given up and he's not prepared to give up, obviously for his own selfish reasons. Um, but overall, I, I enjoyed this. I have marked it down because I think my score was maybe too high because I was I'm too biased because I have read along. I know it does get better. This is an introduction, uh, chapter one. So I have scored it a seven out of ten. So yeah, nice. There we go. Um, so we have two scores in the chat. Uh, Connie has give this uh, a seven. She thinks it feels right. Yeah. <laughs> And Cali Comics has given it a 6 out of 10. It's entertaining, but I don't see it standing the test of time. And there's no gut heart-wrenching scenes. If I don't get a Rorschach splat scene, it doesn't get a 10 out of 10. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, I have one from Liam as well. Liam has scored oh, this. Nice. Liam says, yeah. Oh, Liam says, unfortunately, I wasn't a fan of this book at all. The art was static, the story felt flat, and I didn't engage or fill a connection with any of the characters or the situation. I did enjoy the aliens and the alien world, and the concept was good, but ultimately it didn't deliver. It's a four out of ten. <laughs> I think he's been a bit harsh there. I mean, even I'm wasn't even that harsh <laughs> and i've just been ripping this book apart for an hour he's playing he's he's top of the, the table now of self-storage he's that's a him the rest of this season playing no, funny beth. Beth yeah, is top of it. same same thing um so yeah scott has said uh chapter one introduced a lot of things really well i like the gradual drip feed of information for the transference and nathan's brother to catch you up on the current situation instead of showing us everything at the very beginning. I enjoyed the multiple storylines and how some something felt at stake for all the characters involved. I was happy that Bridget and Duncan actually have an interesting story with the relationship dynamic with Benjamin, which I'm looking forward to seeing that unfold. But saying that, I'm more gripped by the situations the characters are in rather than the characters themselves. Uh, the world build building for the transference uh, is good so far, but I'm hoping we see more of it. And I hope it gets a bit more complicated in the future. The science uh, behind traveling between the dimensions was plausible as well. I love the color contrast between each world and how it made it easy to tell the reader exactly where they are. My only problem with the art is the lack of detail for the smaller creatures. And we see in the transference world, like creatures we see in the world, the creatures were the most intriguing part for me. And I was left slightly disappointed when only the larger creatures had more detail. As a sci-fi fan, this story really intrigued me and I would really like to carry on. He has given a 7.5 out of 10. Nice. So he has scored it more. I'm actually a few more scores in the chat. Bring that uh, average back up because four is ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so uh, Dominic from the Comic Book Report has given a 6.5 and Al 0811 has given 8.5 for me. Um, good solid read and love the art. Excellent. Thanks very much for your scores. So I love the art mostly, but not even a dot dot dot, <laughs> just but yeah, thanks. <laughs> so with the herd, um with I lost track who gave what. So Martin gave a six point five, Connie gave a seven, uh Cali Comics gave it a six, Liam gave it a four, Dominic was six point five, and I'll if I'm pronouncing that right, tell me if I'm not. Tammy, because I'm not sure, of an 8.5. That gives us an average of 6.4. Add that to my 7, Scott's 7.5, and Shane's 7. That gives, gives us an average of 6.9. Which is good. I like that. I think that's fair. I think it's a yeah. fair score. Okay. But let's yeah. see where does it come in the Season 3 leaderboard. Let's say the second wave, first pick of the second wave. 6.9. That will go into third spot behind Self Storage and the Autumnal. Oh, yeah. Push me further down, Phil. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, but I mean, it's the books. We don't write the books, we just pick them, <laughs> you know. It's not like I take my glory from finishing top spot last, last season or anything like that. Yeah, so I just <laughs> no, want to go through so. some of the stuff we have on the channel that's new this week. Um, last Friday, um, I done the first Omnivus. What's all the Omnivus about then? 
That was a live stream while Highland G and Comic Bound on. We talked about collecting editions, books are arriving, books are coming out, things were picked up. Just a bit of a hangout, really. So check that out if you haven't already. Uh, the first quiz night to hit the Nerd Herd uh, landed on Monday evening. And With a special uh, really host. A special host. But I don't want to tell you anything else about it. Just go check it out yourself if you haven't watched it. All right. And coming tomorrow as well. Um, we've had one every week so far. Um, it is Kev's Draw Along. And this week is a Can You Smell a Black Adam is Cooking? So that'll be an interesting one. I believe that's 7 p.m. Uh, tomorrow. Is that, is that right, Shane? Sounds right, right? Yeah, yes, 7 every 7 p.m. every Wednesday. Excellent. So uh, Thursday, sorry, my bad. Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Yeah, because it would be weird if it was tomorrow, but today's yeah. Wednesday. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Days um, of the week are hard. They are hard. <laughs> yeah, that's what we have on the channel. Look forward to more stuff coming coming your way. Um, thanks very much for everyone joining us in the chat tonight. Thanks to you guys who are listening to the podcast. All the links to the socials are down below, and I'll, I'll add Martin's in there too, because you can check him out at Sonics Comics on Instagram. Um, he will be posting more. I've, I've, I've persuaded him to do that today. I will be. Yeah. <laughs> so so all, all that's left to do is uh, get your waves out. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> <laughs>